Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion 9. everybody hello and welcome to this week's episode of got your ears on guido here along with scoop yo and johnson that was fun guido that like that was really fun i hope we all enjoyed it wvu retains the black diamond trophy with a win over virginia tech in blacksburg at lane stadium 33 to 10 they can take the black diamond trophy Put it in the trophy case and probably nail it down because it's going to be there for at least a decade because chances of WVU and Virginia Tech playing again are probably pretty slim until the mid, you know, 2030s. So great win. It's fun, Scooty, that we finally got a win that at least means something a little bit, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. Good win. Um, I'd be lying if I said I didn't predict this win. I did. Um Yes, it, it was a good win. I'll, it's a good win. Scoot's, Scoot, I'm trying to get a little bit. Scoot's trying his hardest to be positive about it. And listen, Scooty, I hear you. WVU uh, looks good, puts up a lot of points. But Johnson, I, I can't help but after watching the game, thinking, wow, like Virginia Tech just handed WVU that game. I mean, Virginia Tech had 15 penalties for 132 yards, and Grant Wells must have missed at least, I don't know, a dozen wide-open receivers during the game. Yeah, and some of those wide receivers also uh, let the ball just hit them in the face and bounce off to the <laughs> sideline. I mean, it, it was bad, right? Like, look, I, I they don't have I don't the wanna, worst skill players I've ever seen. Well, I don't want to lean into, like, I knew Scoot was going to do the, like, yeah, but because I've really enjoyed this <laughs> and I really want to enjoy this, Guido. It was fun. I mean, look, we we're going to talk about upcoming games. Right. But because uh, we always do each each episode, we tweak our thoughts right. on that. But like we've now had four opening games. Can't I mean, you know, two of those games we cared so much about. They were so fun to watch. They s- practically set records of attendance at the gate. I think this game with with Virginia Tech had like what 1.6. We saw John Antonix tweet 1.6 million views. Uh, it was like the what was it Guido the most for a game on ESPN since right. like 2015 or something like that. I, I mean, to me, it's just a shame. You're you're talking about we're now going to be able to lock up that black diamond trophy forever. And which is, which is cool on one hand, because that's, that's great that we now get those bragging rights forever, but it also sucks to me because this is a game that should just be played every year. So I, I was determined over the weekend to really enjoy this. I know it's a bad VPI team, but man, it felt good. Well, and I think, yes, I mean, John Antonik's tweet that he had out there, the 1.6 million views, another Thursday night game where WVU owned the airwaves, or at least the the rivalry, we should say, owned the airwaves. And I think that's the problem with it is like college football has gotten away from that, right? So like regional rivalries were the biggest thing. And we saw it with the pit game and, you know, the largest stadium full of people ever in Pittsburgh. Like that's just talk about that yeah come on in in a historic sports town that's quite a statement right and then now we go to blacksburg i mean and and listen i will give it to you know the virginia tech hokey fans that opening like the energy that comes out of them playing enter sandman and everything that goes on there that was great it looked great on thursday night uh and so you had these two rivalry games with trophies and things and 
and now that's all gone, right? So now we face Texas and Baylor and Texas Tech, and we travel to, you know, wherever. I mean, the little apple as Scoot loves it. You know, all that stuff. Like, it takes away from what college football should be. And I think that's what the point is. is I mean, granted, we're going to play Pitt for the next couple of seasons, but we're not going to see Virginia Tech again. I mean, I, I, heard, I read one article, Johnson, that was like 2038 before there was an opening in both sides' schedule. Yeah, I read the same thing. And that just makes you sad, doesn't it? It's just like one of those things like, man, we just watched such a cool thing Thursday. I, I know Virginia Tech fans couldn't have had fun watching the product that they have on the field, but we... I mean, that was an amazing game to watch if you're a Mountaineer fan. We every everyone was totally engaged, totally focused. Uh, and now you're gonna have to act like you have that same engagement <laughs> and you're gonna have to act like you care as much over the next nine games of a Big Twelve schedule. But Scoot, I would also argue you and I were talking about this a little bit over the weekend. The only person I thought at points that didn't show a huge amount of energy in that stadium was maybe Virginia Tech's head coach. Like, yeah, that guy, I don't know. Kind of weird, right? Like they had 15 penalties. Several of them were, we were getting ready to punt yeah, or it was third extenders. and long. Yeah, you're right. And all of a sudden we get a first down because right. some dumb, stupid penalty. And they would pan to him, and he would be like, oh, I'm just going to note that notes. down oh, for the person that's like uh, whoever's uh, in charge needs to know this. I'm yeah, gonna take, whoever gets this next year will, yeah, will want to know that gonna, uh, number 52 take will a note sometimes for be that offside. Guy. Like, it was the weirdest thing, wasn't it? He often it? lines up in the neutral zone. I would ex- uh, instead of, like, ripping that guy's head right, off, right, like, it's right. you're giving the game away. It also <laughs> doesn't help that your skill position players are mediocre at best. Like their wide receiver looks like a tight end on any they other team. They kind of looked like know. a big tight end, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, like a slow tight end. Like that guy's your your big time wide receiver. Their running back couldn't do jack. And Guido, I think we should we should also note that in the pre, in the predictions for this game. So last week on the show, you took down some score predictions. Scoot laughed at us as we said WVU would extend. I said a ten point win. Uh, you you said what an eighteen point win, eighteen point win, and Scoot just oh scoffed, I oh, scoff scoffed. Now, listen, scoffing listen. Scoot, he just scoffed at us. What was like the a big, score to start? The like fourth a big quarter. scoffer, he just scoffed. Do we remember the score to start the fourth quarter? It was still close. Yeah, it was relatively sixteen to nine. Okay, sixteen nine, and. It's not it's a matter. Fault. We all put in we all put in our opinions for what the final score would be, Scoot. And I think I remember saying that I was like, ah, they're gonna pull away in the second half, which is what they did. But I'm not gonna like listen, we're not gonna get into it. Cause here here's the thing. And, and you know, Brett Pry, head coach of Virginia Tech aside, he's That's his two, name. For, I didn't even know that was yeah, his name. Yeah, Brett Pry. Uh, well, they need to pry some energy out of that dude. That like he's he needs to grab the reins a little bit. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he's new, new head coach. But anyways, take all of that aside. Like WVU was handed this game. I mean, I, I will say, if you had told me that WVU was going to win a game and Bryce Ford Wheaton would only have three catches for twenty three yards and no touchdowns, I would have been like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, like, <laughs> and and I I agree too with what what Scoot's saying because I mean when it was sixteen to ten and Guido, I think we were texting at that point of the game. I, you know, we were talking about we had, I think, 301 total yards to their like 148 at that point in the third quarter. Right. And and it felt like, 
you're still letting this bad team hang around. You know, I kept way as the pessim the uh, pessimistic optimist in me, as Scoot has labeled me over the last couple shows. I was waiting on the other shoe to drop. Like, what's the play that's going to be frustrating that puts them back ahead or something? Because it felt like we were just letting them hang around. But let's talk about it, boys, because like stats don't lie, right? And I'm a you know I'm a stats guy. Scoot's not a stats guy, right? We've determined that. <laughs> you don't like stats, right, Scoot? You're, I'm okay with stats, like but I've been painted but, but, with a brush here. So, but here, but here, but here's facts, right? So WVU, I mean, I will say, uh, WVU handily won this game. I mean, 218 yards rushing, 203 yards passing. Great, great, great. You know, looked great on the offensive side. Virginia Tech was smart. Virginia Tech knew that they weren't going to run the ball against WVU, and they didn't try much to run the ball against WVU. I mean, they only. They only had 35 yards rushing the whole game, but they had almost 200 yards passing. And to argue, great, it, the thing that won the game for WVU is two things, Scooty. One is they got more penalties than I think. Oh man, like anybody I've ever seen in a game. Like that was crazy. And second of all, Grant Wells, glad he didn't come to WVU. Like he's he's like Jarrett Deggy light. Well, I think I, I was in agreement with you that there were so many times that I think a more polished quarterback makes us pay, takes advantage of yeah. our secondary. I, I mean, he just didn't do that. And I also think the play calling didn't help him out there. Everyone and their brother tweeted, uh, you know, they, they ended up going for it kind of late second half, fourth and one QB sneak out of shotgun. Yeah, I think it was third quarter, fourth and one. They put him in the shotgun and then ask him to sneak it. Like none of that made any sense. It looked terrible no. on TV, and and I almost felt bad for the kid because, I mean, th there's even if you know you're behind the eight ball trying to make that successful. But I think when when you Guido hold the ball for 15 minutes longer than your opponent, I mean, some some of the box score notes are just insane. And I think you talked about, right. I I think you talked about the rushing yards. I mean, they they went for. I think I read something like their lowest rushing total since, you know, maybe six, seven, eight years ago in a game. I mean, the whole that whole perspective of it to me was just like, wow, this is not, you know, Scoot, you would say this is not your granddad's Virginia Tech team. You know what I mean? They're trying to carry that beat up lunch pail thing that they really are committed to that theme. And man, it just didn't work. I mean, we, we were we were running up yards on offense and they couldn't do anything in their running game and it felt good. I mean, we we just sort of took the game in hand and and dominated. Yeah, but they only attempted 18 rushes. They only tried to run the ball 18 times. WVU ran the ball 46 times, Johnson. So again, uh, this is where and they this is where it's going to rear its ugly head in the next couple of weeks against Texas and Baylor. Teams are going to try to throw over the top on WVU because the secondary is weak. Grant Wells couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a football this past Thursday night. And, Scooty, I don't think that's going to be the case as we move forward through the Big 12 uh, teams. No, and, but I will say this. You're not going to like hearing what I'm about to say. I feel that Grant Wells, I've never watched him play. This is the first time I've ever seen him play. Um, and I've been to some high school football games, and I didn't even know he was – I didn't know about him at all. I was actually, from everything I had read about him before the game, I was actually in the beginning, the first quarter, I was kind of impressed with Grant Wells. I thought, okay, he's better than I thought he would be. I thought he would be the worst. 
he was better than the worst. He actually ran better than I thought he would ever run. I didn't think he ran at all, but he he led their team in rushing, did he not? Yeah, I mean, he he seemed mobile. I'll 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 agree with you there. I just think they didn't help him out a whole lot. I thought the play No. I thought the play no. calling was like vanilla at best. And I I like I said that fourth and one shotgun, you know, quarterback sneak from the shotgun kind of sums it up for me. I I think though I wanted to ask your opinion scoot on I thought maybe you were going to talk about the secondary because I know we have complained every week about the defensive secondary and I know look I I know I I'm still enjoying this and the cool thing when you went on a Thursday you get to enjoy it for like nine days and I'm enjoying this for nine <laughs> days, right? I'm going to do it. Scoot's going to give me the, okay. here goes Johnson optimistic again, but <laughs> Jacoby spells on the pick six. That was a terrific play. We maligned the secondary all the time. I think we need to give him a little bit of praise. He came in earlier in the game. They had highlighted some of his play for getting in front of a receiver and kind of riding the play down without causing a pass interference and playing really good defense. Then later in the game, that that pass, he just reads it and steps right in front of the receiver and then takes it to the house. I thought that was a great play. And it gave me this pause like, can these guys – now, look, there were other plays during the game I was like, woof. You know, if it, there's a more competent quarterback, he, he makes us pay there. But I'm just saying, does it – can I – be pessimistic optimist scoot and say that maybe as these games kind of go through, do they get a little bit better? Now, look, I, I don't know that they're cause like take spells. He's also a freshman. Like, I mean, these guys are like, they're learning, you know, they're, they're learning on the fly here, but can they, can they sort of inch their way toward, you know, you, you kind of look have at, to get better, like competent play, you know, as the season goes on, you can, you can hope for that. <laughs> I mean, that's, I think can that's I pessimistically be optimistic you can hope for that. that. I don't know that that's going to show through here when we play Texas Baylor, Texas tech. Um, yeah, maybe you'll see some teams that are going to light up the scoreboard more and fling it all over the place. And I'll yeah. say this: Adrian Martinez looked good for Kansas State yesterday. Yeah, he so, did. Yeah, uh, he kind of. Somebody said that he got out of uh, Nebraska's spell, or he actually what they said was he was uh, got out of uh, he was like a released hostage from Nebraska. That's <laughs> <laughs> what he was like. So, um, yeah, I mean, they have to get better. That. They're going to have to because they're going to, at some point, have to be relied upon to win games. They're young. That's that's unfortunate for us because there's going to be some growing pains. Yeah. Because they're going to be going up against some crafty veteran receivers. Right, right. And some crafty veteran quarterbacks that are going to expose their weaknesses or some of their inexperience. Yeah, and, um, and I think it's going to be one of those things where I, I was just hoping coming out of Thursday night it was like a shot in the arm, you know, like because I know they, they've got to be here in the heat week to week. You know, maybe it was a shot in the arm for them. Well, listen, I, I, I think I'm being, you know, honest here. I like to be honest with everybody. This is a needed win because if I think if if Neil Brown loses this game, He's then lost to both rivals. He's only beaten yeah. FCS Towson. Right. Uh, mm. It's not looking good for him against Texas. It's not looking good against. Then you're looking at one in what one in five. Possibly, yeah. Right. Uh, right. That's tough to even think about. Like you're getting to the point where, what's the point in keeping him around? 
for the end of the season. Well, and I think I think you're right, Scooty, because I think uh, I was saying it before the game. Like I think if Neil Brown loses against Virginia Tech, he gets fired before the Texas game. I think now it doesn't matter. Like I feel like now. He could lose the Texas. He could lose the Baylor. Those are all expected wins. He could lose the rest of the season. Well, it out feels and like this Virginia Tech win keeps the it at the bay season for me. Like you know, he he got through another yeah, week. It's absolutely. a shot in the arm. It's and people and it it satiates the masses a little bit in Mountaineer Nation because this is a win everyone wanted so bad. You know. But I'm, but Johnson, I'm still wearing my Crocs at the bottom of the hill. Yeah, like, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm right there you. with you. Listen, I, I let think... me know if you want me to turn the bus around. We'll come back and get you. Well, yeah, Scoot's already <laughs> left base camp and gone back to town. Scoot's left well, the base. Scoot, yeah, Scoot's one other left thing I wanted camp. to because I thought this was also really interesting. You too, Guido. So the other thing that was interesting about this game is just Justin Johnson sort of steals the show along with C.J. Donaldson in the rushing department, and I thought it was very much. It couldn't be more obvious that it was at the expense of Tony Mathis. Tony Mathis has a fumble early, and then it's sort of like he goes into witness protection program. He's like in the doghouse the rest of the game. Yeah. I felt bad for him, but I felt really good for Justin Johnson, who sort of grabbed the the opportunity and really played a terrific game. I mean, you kind of – I don't know why. We're so spoiled. We've come to expect C.J. Donaldson to have these performances, and at one point when he went out with a wrist injury – I was like in a fetal position, kind of ready to cry because I was like, please don't do that to me. Just I love this kid. Don't don't take him away yet. And, but then Justin Johnson comes in, plays a really great game. Well, can I let me ask you guys a question? So let's me critical me. We um, Tony Mathis yeah. is in the doghouse, right? Fumbles the ball, struggles or whatever. Put in the doghouse. We've seen Garrett Green be put in the doghouse before, right? Because uh, in his case, it's not fumbling the ball. It's misreading. Instead of throwing the five-yard bubble screen, he ran for 25 yards and gets chastised as he comes right. off the field for doing something too positive. Right. God forbid you bring too much excitement. Right. What were you thinking? You need to sit the bench. Right. What were you thinking? You Get should have thrown that five-yard pass. Right. Get yeah. over there and think about that. Let's talk about Reese Smith. Okay. Real quick. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yes. So that's that's very special good. teams. Scoot's, <laughs> Scoot's gonna go so, special teams. On but it. let's listen. Let's break it down. How many muffed punts do we have to watch before we continue until we make a change and we continue to trot him out there? He's had at least two, maybe three already this season. Yeah, like, it, it's been rough. Yeah, you're Listen, right. I'm with you. If we're gonna and have we and here's the question I have for you, Scooty, like on this. Have we seen anybody else back there? I haven't noticed I haven't only noticed been anyone. Reese Smith. Yeah. Now, like, listen, I don't I mean I don't want to bury the guy. He can still be out there. I don't care. I mean I care. But if we're going to treat Tony Mathis a certain way, if we're gonna treat Garrett Green a certain way, why are we letting Reese Smith have this super long leash? Yeah, it's interesting. And he's turning. And it's, right. I just because I I have a feeling he's the only one. Like that's what makes me nervous is I don't think there's anybody. I else. have a theory because a who theory. who was that? Wasn't that wasn't that Winston Wright and Isaiah Esdale? Hadn't they been sort of platooning returning duties? I mean, until they all left. But yeah, yeah. I have a theory. Okay. This is not going to be a very popular theory. <laughs> right. Guido, do me a favor. <laughs> not not, not, not much of what you say <laughs> is very popular. I'm just saying, you are probably the most hated podcaster in WVU podcasting. Can you can you Google search or go on to West Virginia's roster on their on their website for okay. me? 
Okay. I want yeah. you to do me a favor. Can you find out where Reese Smith went to high school? Oh, interesting. Hold on. Oh, that's a good question. Scoot, are you, uh, mean, you've been zapruitering some stuff, haven't you? I think I, Scoot knows the answer. He wants us to look it up. He wants that's, us to come know, to this dramatic realization. He went to Boyle County, Danville. Oh, okay. interesting. Uh, Is that where Danville. he went to school? All right. Now do me a favor, Johnson. Yeah. Boyle Can County you High. do me a favor and Google research where Neil Brown went to high school, please? <laughs> Are we going to connect some dots here? Why do or I feel what? like I think Neil Brown went to Boyle County High School, same place Reese Smith went to in Danville, Kentucky. Is, so, he did. so you think he's is, partial? He's uh, yeah, I think he's partial. Partiality. I think I think uh, Neil Brown doesn't want to go home and hear about how he benched the local uh, kid. <laughs> Out of all the kids. He doesn't want to hear yeah. about benching the local kid. Well, I, I, don't, maybe... I don't know. It's it's a weird thing because I would I would have to think that there's other people competing for that spot. I don't really see how Reese has it locked down. I mean, like, I want to see him be successful, but I, I agree with he you. He can be you. a great slot receiver. I don't care. But right, listen, sure. if he's going to muff punt after punt, <laughs> right, right. Like that's not a great – and here's – listen, let's, let's come out and say this, right? How often are we forcing the other team to punt? It hasn't been very much, so it's magnified. If you look at the depth chart, guys, Sam James is listed second. He can catch a ball. Uh, he's listed he second catch a on ball. the punt returns. Also, Preston can Fox, catch a ball. Preston Fox, who had a nice catch. Yeah, Preston Fox had that nice catch with Nico in the in the. I F would venture FCS to guess there might like be that, some that. defensive backs that could catch a ball. Well, where I thought you were, like you think yeah, about Pac-Man. Pac-Man used to be a, a returner. Well, I thought you were going to say yeah. maybe you put Garrett. Maybe you put Garrett Green back there is where I thought you were hey, going. I'd take that. That'd be a wrinkle. Listen, I like I, this. I'm not saying that there's a conspiracy going on, but, but there's for a conspiracy whatever reason, listen, here, here's what's going on, right? And so I and I'm not gonna I guess I'm gonna link the two together, right? Okay. Jarrett Deggy, did he have some fam family connections he did, to yes. Neil Brown? I I feel I like know. I remember I that he did, Scoot. Okay. And can we assume that there is again another strong connection between Neil Brown and Reese Smith? I think you established one. I think you just place. established yes. one. Yes. So it seems as though Mr. Brown is a little soft for for some of his uh, favorites. I mean, you can make the argument, and you in fact just did make the argument. I, so I don't mean maybe there's nothing to it, but. I find it interesting. Here's a question, guys, just to shift gears a little bit. Here's a question for you. Put put yourself in the shoes of Graham Harrell and JT Daniels now. You you are running an offense. You have a you you're a quarterback, you're a offensive coordinator, you're running an offense fairly successful, not having a ton of issues. I mean, there are there are things, but you've got, you know, all the parts are working well together. You're moving the ball, you're scoring points, you're right. Yep. You know, and now you're 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 coming into the conference schedule. You've got Texas Baylor, Texas Tech, TCU. You get all these games coming up. You might be able to score against these teams, but yeah. these teams are going to run the right. score up against you. Like, how do you feel as as Graham Harrell? Like, what are you thinking going into these games? Well, I, I would venture to say they're probably feeling like it's kind of like um, I think it's probably kind of how I got really salty in the post game of Kansas, where one of the first things you heard 
was about JT Daniels interception. And I, I got really salty because I was mm-hmm. like, look, the guy scored 40 some odd points and threw for a billion yards. Like what else was he supposed to do to keep you in this game? But one of the first, so that's the first thing that comes to mind is I can see over these next three, four, however, you know, nine conference games when teams are able to score competently as you're scoring any mistake you make is probably going to be like put under the micro, the microscope well, would be my guess, you know, like you made I, I one bad argue, read and it cost you because your defense couldn't get off the field or something. I, I'd argue he's one of the more, he's got one of the more stressful offensive coordinator jobs in America right now. You got to think he has to score. He has to score. <laughs> right. He has to score yeah, right. Every you have to possession. score every series. Anyone that you have we to have score. to yeah. trot Oliver Straw out there, which I do like Oliver Straw. I think he's actually uh a pretty good weapon for us as far as changing the 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 field position. But you're field, right. When um, you see him, you're like groaning because you're like, we can't be punting. Like there's well, we can't afford because here we are. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh man. All right. So let's assume they're going to score. Then we've got. Can we score? Can you get thirteen or fourteen for one touchdown? Can we? Can we do that? Can we petition somebody? <laughs> do Do you think? Do you guys think that we that the defense looked better against Virginia Tech? Do you think there was a marked like take out the Towson game and compare it to hey, the Kansas? game? I'll say this now. I know we. I kind of trashed Virginia Tech's skill position players. But if you think about it, and maybe I'm maybe I watched a different game than you guys, I don't feel like our defensive line or our linebackers did a lot of pass rushing against um, against Graham Grant Wells Grant Wells. Uh, so I feel like uh, our defense did okay stopping the run. Stopping the pass, we did a mediocre job. Now, maybe we didn't try to blitz. Maybe we were trying to drop into coverage. Well, and I think there were so many times where – I think there were so many times where the Grant Wells threw the ball and the receiver was open, but he overthrew him or threw behind him. There were so many – I mean, I could could think off the top of my head four of those, Johnson, maybe even five. I don't think it was because of pressure from us. I think it was just Grant Wells being inaccurate. No, I don't think it was I don't think it was line. Yeah, I just think it's great. I think they kept him clean. I think they did really good against the run. Uh, You know, I think it's a little bit hard. It's funny how each week, I mean, look, I'm not going to go back on my preseason picks, right? We already agreed we're not going to do that, but uh, I mean, I'm an engineer. I like data. I am going to tweak week to week my thoughts on this stuff as we get more info, and it's funny how now with three and some teams four games under your belt, like Scoot, we've been talking. Jalen Daniels is amazing. Like I did not really oh. give him enough credit coming into our game with him. He is torching everyone. Now look, I know they played Duke. So so I'm 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 bringing that up because I don't know that it's fair. Like my torching of the defense in the podcast right after Kansas. Like now that we're getting some distance from that game and we see Kansas play, like he torches Houston, he torches Duke Saturday. I mean, like that Kansas game, should they have contained him better? Yeah. I mean, I'm not letting them off the hook, but I'm also saying like Jalen Daniels is a real deal. Like he's fun to watch. He is fun in a read option offense. He is super fun. I said this to you, Johnson. Maybe Guido too. I can't remember if you guys are all on the same thread. He is Kansas's Pat White. Yeah, he is. He's gonna make he's a, I think he's gonna make a difference for Kansas. He's gonna probably change some of, now, granted if Lance Leipold doesn't stay, that could get a little weird. 
for them. Not weird, but just it'll go badly for them. But he could potentially be to Kansas kind of what Pat White was for WVU for that stretch. And, you know, I, I think if there's no Pat White, does it lead to a Geno coming? I don't know. You know what I mean? So I think that there's some carryover there from the success of Jalen Daniels that yeah, Kansas is probably not going yeah. to be a the laughing stock of college football. Right. He's like a spark plug for the program. Not even the laughing stock of the Big 12 this season, I don't think. Right. But here's a question for you. Who has more passing yards this season, JT Daniels oh, or Jalen Daniels? It, it's going to be JT. And I and I think our yeah. offense is doing a really good job. Listen, I I know I poo-poo the results and I I don't really like uh, I don't like Neil Brown. I'll say that I, I feel like a change could be had there. But offense, it was a great decision to bring in Graham Harrell. Um, we've thrown the ball down the field more in the first four weeks of the season than we have in the first four years of Neil Brown. Yeah, now that's true. I would agree with that. So yeah. that it already, certainly feels that way. Yeah, that already is so much different. Than, and, and it wasn't all daggy because we had people before daggy so to me that was the offensive scheme that was the problem not so much the the person throwing but guido i think i'm sticking to my opinion we you and i talked you you had uh, a reference for this early on but after after one game we were talking about this i still feel like i'm using an opponent's talent at offensive line as my barometer of how i feel about these games i and i think this virginia tech game is a little bit of an anomaly maybe because even though they couldn't really like grant wells they kept him clean i feel like most of the night you know it wasn't until late in the game i think austin had a sack that looked really good but for the most part they kept him clean i just think like scoot said virginia tech's other skill players didn't really make us pay for that stuff you know for him non-factor. being upright they yeah so i think i still feel like uh i think you said early on guido like baylor for example has a super highly rated offensive line to me i'm expecting that game to be a long game for us because if we can't put some pressure on and Dave Aranda can let his quarterback well, sit back and just pick, you know, make decisions. If we on, can't run stop against anybody, we're going to be in real trouble. Yeah, I just think if whoever has really talented offensive lines, I feel like those are the teams I'm probably most scared about on the on the conference schedule. So that brings us to Texas, right, guys? We face Texas this uh, this coming Saturday, seven thirty p.m. Uh, primetime game, Fox Sports One. Daryl K. Royal Stadium, Daryl K. Royal Memorial, Texas State, whatever it's called now. Yes, right. Um, Texas loses last week to Texas Tech in in a barn burner, if you will. Uh, but Texas relies on Bijan Robinson. Like Texas, Bijan Robinson leads the Big Twelve, leads a lot of the NCAA in you know yards, touchdowns, all of those things. WVU's strength is stopping the run defensive line is strong does texas switch it up are we going to see texas pass or what what you know what happens this week where do we have like and this is here's here's scoot's gonna yell at me when i say this do we have a a chance against texas hudson card not not that great like hudson card's not looking that great as a quarterback he's okay he's serviceable but he's not you know burning down the house they rely a lot on Bijan robinson who right now has what who already has seven touchdowns this season rushing touchdowns so my question for you guys is do you start to look at this texas game is this a game we can get 
am I just talking crazy, Scoot? Uh, I think you're talking crazy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Shut it down. Scoot shuts it down immediately. Is that some optimism? Shut it down. First of all, Virginia Tech isn't recruiting near the level that Texas is recruiting at. Um, the skill position right. players. Well, not with that slice of Melba toast on the sideline. Right. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, that right. guy's not exciting anyone. The skill position players are leaps and bounds better than Virginia Tech's. Um, we're going to have a tough time. Like, I, I don't I don't see this being uh, a win. I didn't predict it to be a win. I still don't predict it to be a win. It's at Texas that's not good for us. Um, I don't see it happening. I just don't. And I'll be honest if I'm, if can I listen, you say I'm not a stats guy. Here's a stat. Okay. Stat. Here's a stat. This is a real stat. Is this a real stat or is this a out of four years? Neil Brown has never won three games in a row. Mm -hmm. So we aren't winning based on the history. <laughs> Scoot's got Johnson. Scoot's That's got one stat. Know. He's got one stat. I feel he's like keep bringing it I feel up. Like he doesn't have any other old, stats. Like in thirty years or he whatever. He never won three games. Right. So my dad, like my dad, to this day, if something random comes up about Doug Flutie, Dad will just look at me without missing a beat. Be like, Flutie never beat the Mountaineers. In in like thirty years, Scoot will be looking at us. We'll be in some <laughs> Florida rest three. home. He'll be like, Neil Brown never won three in a row. Well, I think the funny thing about this Texas game, and you're right, Guido, like even in this game, Bijan Robinson goes for over 100 and scores two touchdowns. I mean, by all accounts, he was getting it done in this game. I think Texas has a weird collapse late. I think at the half, they're up like 24-14, and they even extended that into the third quarter, and yep. somehow Texas Tech comes roaring back late. So I I don't know. It was It was a weird game Saturday for them. They lose in overtime. For me, you know, when we were putting these, um, when we were putting these picks up together early, you know, before the season started, this felt like a surefire loss. I'm still with Scoot that it feels very lossy (laughs) because I think it's a tall order to go in to Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. Uh, or whatever, and and get a win like that against them because they are a good football team. But I think it's more, Guido, I think it's more gettable than I ever thought at the beginning of the season. And I think I think the Quinn, I think the Quinn, uh, um, shoot, I just lost it. I had, a, I had a brain lapse and lost his name, but you know who I'm talking about. The Quinn Ewers, uh, am I saying that? Am I... Um, oh, yeah. his Yours. injury and entering, you know, card at the quarterback position to me, they're still trying to figure that out. I'm not saying that was the reason for the loss here against Texas tech, but to me, it feels more like they're trying to find their footing in this, uh, in this quarterback situation. Cause didn't card, he also, uh, uh, dealt with an injury coming out of that Alabama game too. So I, I think it's more gettable than we thought at the beginning of the season. I think this is one of those games where, Again, we score a ton of points. I think we once again put up, you know, 30 some odd points. Um, but I think we end up in like a frustrating loss. I think Texas has enough to to keep to keep us, you know, to keep us at bay at home. Scooty, what what um, you know, not that I'm a betting guy, but I am. What uh what do you think the over under is on this game? Uh What's your guess? What's your guess? I have got it in front of me. I can give it to you. But we're, right now, we're a couple days out. What what do you think the over under is on this game? I'm going to say ooh. 
65. That's not that's not bad. That's a good guess. Johnson, what do you think it is? Yeah, I was going to say like 61, 62. 62. 62 wow. is the over-under wow, wow, wow. in this game. Considering you're, you're coming off of, what was it, uh, 51 and a half, uh, 52 and a half yeah. against Virginia Tech. Uh, right now, Texas is favored by nine and a half. Over under is at sixty two. Even um, so, they think it's going to be a track meet as well. Yeah, they think it's going to be the teams are going to score like crazy, and that's for me. That's tough. Like, I, 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 you know, if you're if you're like me and you like to and you like to place a, a you know a dime, a nickel or two on a game, I mean, I think nine and a half is a solid number. I. I'm not sure West Virginia can co- cover that. I'm not sure West Virginia can can meet that. Scoot, nine. don't you, Scoot, don't you feel like it'll be? We could have an ollie meter for this game. Like if Ooh. the ollie meter is rising, our chances feel worse. You know, like the ollie meter could be a thing. I'll say in this. this. Game. Here's what I'll say. Okay, I'm gonna make a, a little weird prop bet here. Okay. Okay. I like the um, I think if Oliver Straw has to punt three or more times, we lose this game. Oh, man. That's not okay. a lot of punts. That's not a lot of well, that's, punts. Scoot. That's not a lot that's of punts. A, that's not a lot of punts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we only punted twice, and we had a wonderful game at Virginia Tech. So. Three or more, we lose. Okay. I don't think we can keep up. I don't think we can keep up. The ollie meter? Can I coin that? Wow. I think you can. The ollie The limiter? I like that. Hashtag. Ooh. Hashtag I, got a, I got a great shirt idea. A limiter? I got a great shirt idea. We got sh- we got to put some of these shirts out. We keep coming up with great shirt ideas every week. We don't put them out. We got to we got to work on this. Here here's here's what I think, guys. You know, uh, you know, nine and a half is a lot. Um, I don't. I still don't think West Virginia wins this game. And I think sixty two is high. It's just so hard. Like sixty two is such a hard number for me, Johnson. I think Texas still wins this game. I'm gonna say Texas wins it, forty two. To 27. 42 to 27. I think Texas wins. I, I just don't I don't think I think uh you know the the offense shows up. I think this is the gonna be one of the tougher defenses that that JT Daniels in the offense sees. I think 27 will be good. I just don't think we're gonna be able to stop anything. And I think that Texas is gonna be smart and go over top and they they're gonna try to do a little bit with Bijan, but I think it's gonna be you're going to hear more wide receiver names out of Texas. You know, you saw it was Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech targeted Johnson 12 really? different I didn't receivers. Re- wow, okay, I didn't read on Thursday. That. And they're all tight ends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, like, I, don't I don't even know, know where they, they got these. Some I mean, of these I guys, they were, just, they were like, hey, how do I check in as an eligible receiver? Like, it's, uh, it's a line. They were pulling. Uh, they, the mascot took his uniform, the, uh, took his, the guy uh, took his third turkey on the head off chart and ran out on the, the right field, guard right. was checking in as a wide receiver for them because they had nobody that looked fast. Uh, so I think that's that's where I'm at. Johnson, what do you, this week, looking at the game, yeah, what do you think? I, I think you're be? onto something with this over-under. It does feel, that feels like a lot. That feels like, uh, even though I have confidence in the offense, that's just like, that feels like a huge ask to just keep up with that kind of thing. But I'm going to say, I'm I'm going to say Texas, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say that Graham Harrell does dial some stuff up. I'm going to say it's close. It's one of those frustrating, like, man, one or two plays and we would have really been in this thing. I'm going to say Texas 38, WVU 35. Wow, that's close. That's close, Scooty. All right, Scooty, lay it on us. WVU uh, Texas. What do you think the score is going to be? I think um, 
That's a good question. I I feel it's going to be uh, Texas 45, WVU 21. Okay. Okay. Um, that's, that's not a little worse than me, but not by well, much. I'm laying with my, my over-under. And uh, I think if you look, I mean, we had only scored 16 points going into the fourth quarter against Virginia Tech. And it wasn't until we got a little bit mojo going there and then we got the interception pick, yeah, the for the touchdown. Six, right. So that's really what kind of really stretched the score out for us. So our offense, while it looked like we were in control, we still had some sputters. And the Texas defense is going to be a little bit better than what well, we saw. So. Do you think I mean, we don't have to spend any time on this, but I guess the that's the thing I was mentioning when, you know, Guido and I were texting like we had 301 yards to I think they're 148 at one point in the fourth quarter. The score is still 16 to 10, and we just kept getting in position to cash in and having to kick field goals. Um, I think, yep. you know, we're talking about the Ollie meter and I still think the Ollie meter is, is going to be super relevant. Scoot, we're going to have to, what did you say? If he has to pump more than three times? Yeah. Um, I think that's a good one to track too. I, I think if we're, if we get into that pattern where, you know, we drive it down inside the 10 and then have to settle for field goals, like that's, that's not going to get it done either. I feel like in a game like this, you're going to have to cash in almost every time. Well, and you got to think how many times did we get bailed out on the Ollie meter? The Ollie, right. Ollie show would have been much more than a couple of punts had they not just been morons and given <laughs> us first downs. And got penalties every – yeah, right. So many free first downs, ridiculous first downs. So I'll, I'm with you. I'll set that Ollie meter, Johnson, at three and a half. We'll set the Ollie meter at three and a half. Okay. All right. I think that's a good that's a good place to put it. You know, you got to do the half number. So under, you know, three punts, four punts, it's definitely a loss. Three punts, maybe not. Uh, we'll see what happens. So, guys, hey, I want to move on. So WVU uh, wins against Virginia Tech. The next day, uh, David Hale, ESPN staff writer David Hale, releases an article and talks about how ACC administrators have had informal discussions with both the Pac-12 and the Big 12 about possible additions or mergers and, you know, kind of an article that got swept under the rug for the weekend. I, I saw it picked up by a couple of other places, but he puts out this whole part, uh, this whole article, and for me, the, the biggest part was is Jim Phillips, who's the ACC commissioner, said all options are on the table and we would love to talk about renegotiating our TV deal. I don't know what that implications mean for WVU. I feel like for the ACC, at least, if that became a conversation, maybe WVU would be in the mix there, Johnson. That's a weird one because I don't know. The the WVU fan in me would hope that means that Virginia Tech and Pitt and the ACC in general sees these, you know, viewership and gate numbers for two games that WVU is involved in where things are through the roof and look terrific on TV and are driving eyeballs and they would come back around on being such snoots about not having the Mountaineers in the conference. But I feel like, you know, that my first maybe pessimistic thought on that is, are they trying to do, you know, you know how the big 10 was like, Hey, we should do uh, a partnership and then that partnership ended up being like stabbing everyone in the back, essentially. You know, is this one of those <laughs> right. like, 
hey, buds, hey, buddy, old pals, we should all, you know, form some kind of, you know, loose merger where scheduling ties in and, yeah, that team's not in our conference, but you're on the schedule regularly, stuff like that. And that helps out a TV contract. But it, I would think if you're the Big 12, you're like, uh, no, we're like, we're kind of, we feel like we've got some moxie right now and we're going to try to, we're going to try to move on that. Wouldn't you think? I, that would surprise me if they didn't. Yeah, Scooty. So like, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I felt like the timing of it, you know, is a little bit auspicious in the fact that, you know, WVU plays an ACC school at the beginning of the season. Largest Thursday night viewership ever, or not ever, but within five in five years for ESPN. You know, largest uh, attended game ever in the city of Pittsburgh. They turn around and play Virginia Tech two weeks, three weeks later, whatever it was. One point six million viewers on that one uh, on ESPN. Another ACC team. I mean, Scooty, maybe, maybe this is a little bit of a you know. Maybe they're saying, hey, we a precursor. Yeah, I don't Listen, know. please don't tease me because we need it bad. We need it real bad. I think. Listen, if the ACC, if the ACC comes calling and there's any hesitation, I want Shane Lyons brought to my house, just like the boss from Christmas Vacation. I want Cousin Eddie <laughs> with a big, yes, ribbon with a big on him. fat ribbon on him. I want Cousin Eddie to go get Shane Lyons, bring him to my house if ACC comes calling and he hesitates. I don't want to sit and wait and see what the Big 12 does. If they've asked, we need to be joining because it's so much more enjoyable. Listen, am I down on Neil Brown? Sure. I loved watching the game at Virginia Tech. I love Enter the Sandman. I'm saying it. I put the the in between Enter and Sandman. I liked watching it. And to be honest with you, it was so cool. I even have some things that I think they could do to make it even a little bit better. I would cut the lights. I would cut the lights and tell people to take out their cell phones and get the flash the flashlight on their cell phone going and then play the music because I think that would be even like, you know, exit light. Come on. That's a good idea. So I would do that. I think the pit game was amazing. I, and guess what's also awesome? There are so many people that live in the state of West Virginia that went to both. When was the last time West Virginia fans went to that many away right. games in a season? Right. It just doesn't happen. Nobody gives a crap about Iowa State. <laughs> I don't care about Iowa State. <laughs> Iowa They're State's not my like, rival. What, what did I do? Like, what, to be honest what? with you, uh, the only thing I knew about them before we got in the Big 12 with them is that they had Larry Eustachy, and Larry Eustachy liked college girls. <laughs> that's, the ex- that's the extent of what I knew about Iowa State. Don't tell me about Hilton magic, because I don't care. There is no magic in Hilton. Nobody knew about that arena beforehand. Nobody knows anything about Iowa State other than it's a maroon. They're the Cyclones, and they've got some sort of bird mascot, which doesn't make any sense because a Cyclone is a tornado. Well, and and Guido, we we had a link in some show notes a couple shows ago that we didn't really get to um, that – was kind of an eyebrow raise and and I'm now thinking of it a little bit differently now that you're talking about this but back on let's see middle middle of August Brett McMurphy pointed to uh something in a tweet I can put it back in our show notes for this week too but where he was saying the Big Ten's uh let's see Kevin Warren he's head of the big the Big Ten I think he he's saying that he sees the Big Ten having 20 members and paying players and and like that was just like a 
like a hand wavy comment at the time, it makes me wonder if, you know, this article that you're referencing, are these conferences like we, we sort of get realignment in spurts as fans. I think, you know, we get realignment news as like, right. It like, you know, this ebb and flow of stuff, but I'm sure to these people that, you know, the Jim Phillips and folks, it's like a daily conversation. I would have to think, you know, you're constantly like, trying to gauge the climate of, of what's going on with realignment. And maybe, you know, is this, is this offhand comment of, you know, the big 10 still expects to go to 20, um, you know, are, are these guys still saying, okay, look, we got to, we're still playing defense and we got to, you know, we still got to be in talks that what are we going to do when they decide to, to move and, and are they moving in on ACC teams? And maybe he has some, you know, feelings that he's, you know, maybe susceptible. I don't know. Well, I also wonder, like starting to think about this and how, like, I mean, I know if you look at all the conferences right now, the ACC has like the worst television right. deal going into yeah. this. Like they signed their deal in 2018. I think it was, it's through 2036. It's a crappy, not a great television deal, but I'm just wondering if Jim Phillips, ACC commissioner, Jim Phillips is starting to think, Hey, we're not going to compete with, we're not putting teams, you know, we're not going to put as many teams into these championships and playoffs as the sec schools are. And now as the big 10 schools are, cause they're trying to build so big. Maybe our angle is, is let's, Let's play to the rivals. Let's build our viewership on Thursday night rivalry games. Let's let's build our viewership on the Pitt WVUs and all of these like the you know these rivalry games that have been lost. And maybe that's the angle that they're taking with trying to get all of this, you know, circled back up again um, with these three conferences that you know are sort of these now not part of the giant super conferences that are going to get explode with the SEC. And Big Ten, and to be honest with you, like thinking about it, Scooty, I'd rather see WVU go to an ACC with a Virginia Tech, with a with a Pitt, with a Syracuse, Louisville. come on, a, a, instead of going to an SEC, instead of going to a Big well, Ten. Well, listen, Big Ten, I don't want any part of the Big Ten. I just Midwest, you're, it's boring to me. No offense to people. Let's listen. I, I value a lot of our listeners in the Chicago area. Penn State's not yeah, in the Midwest, yeah, though. Whatever, I. I would much rather be ACC. I, I think nobody says no. Like what West Virginia fan says, well, I really wish I'd like to stay in the Big 12. Nobody says that. Nobody says I want to stay in the Big 12. Right. Well, but the weird thing, though, wouldn't you think, Guido, is now the the painful other like edge of this sword feels like if they did finally come to you, wouldn't you – wouldn't it be prudent of you to pause and say, well, I'm actually getting ready to make way more money probably in this big 12. Like, yeah, I'm not super excited, but my payout per team in this new big, even in this new big 12, you know, if it, if the negotiations go the way we've read are, are on par or better than what the ACC is going to be able to negotiate. I mean, as a fan, yeah, there's no question. Well, I want to do exactly what Scoot's talking about and play these teams. Yes, there's no question. Where where do I sign up? Let me do it tomorrow. But I think if you're someone in like if you're Shane Lyons or someone in charge, you would you would have to at least figure out like okay, but what's the like? Is the money going to be? The, is the money in fact going to be there? Well, and I think it's enticing for both the Pac-12 and the Big 12 because. Both of their TV deals are up in yeah, the next two, right. three years, right? So ACC's locked in with ESPN for another decade. But I think that, you know, 
I think that if they merged or if they came together, they would have a much bigger bargaining chip against ESPN or Fox or whoever if they were like, hey, here's the deal. WVU and Pitt are going to play a game every year in perpetuity. Or, you know, we're going to combine some of these 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 rivalry games yeah. that we have. Well, and Scoot, do you think, you know, I, I don't really trust ESPN, you know, at all as no. far as I can throw it. Like, to me, they pull – you know they're they could that, change that. Listen, that ten-year deal can be changed. Right? Let's not. They've ruined college football. Like, let's not even. Let's not mince it, Johnson. Yeah. They've well, and someone football. was tweeting like, you know, the guys on the ESPN brought. I don't know who tweeted that. I should have saved it. But someone tweeted the other day. Like, they commented how the guys on the ESPN broadcast are like, "Look at this. Look at how great this is. A regional rivalry. Look at this packed house." And someone tweeted like, "Says the people that got rid of all of that." <laughs> Right. right. So, regional so like, yeah, right. I guess I'm just bringing up, do you think behind the scene, like the timing of this article and everything and the fact that the ACC is super connected to ESPN, do you think there's anything going on there? Like, like ESPN sees that and they're like, hey, ACC, that would be a great thing for you to do all the time or Here's something. something you know interesting. what I mean? I'm going to I'm going to throw this out there and I don't know that it's uh, there's anything to it or not, but maybe there is. So UConn, right, former uh, Big East uh foe I'm of familiar. ours. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, they yes. have Jim Mora Jr. as their head football coach. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, probably Practice? not not that one, his son. <laughs> yeah. Um so a couple months ago, he slipped up in an interview and said something about maybe it was with a recruit or something that eventually or here in the near future at some point Yukon was going to be in the ACC. Oh, okay. So do you going back to your like, is there some behind the scenes talk or movement? I think there is. Now, what I was going to ask you guys is it, they're not just going to take one school. If they're going to if, if ACC is going to enlarge in some is way, that a word? Did you just enlarging? make up a new word? Enlarge? Enlar- I mean, I think that sounds like a word, <laughs> but I'm not sure <laughs> if the ACC is going to enlarge themselves grow perhaps grow. <laughs> they're right? going to enlarge yes. themselves that's getting even that's even worse in some ways so if the acc is going to <laughs> get get huge bigly huge. <laughs> if the acc is going to get huge do they well, look at that acc it's i'm just saying i'm just saying i'm just saying that's a, i'm just saying that's a big acc <laughs> that's, a big that's all that's all i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> where where were you going with hey, this? Hey Jim Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> bring the car hey, around. Jim Phillips. Tell you to bring the car around front. <laughs> so uh all right, if the yes. ACC is going to grow, it's not going to be by one school, grow. right? So it's going to be mul- there's going to be multiples. So right. who's the other schools that are going to like is it a is it a Yukon? I which listen, I am from Connecticut. There's nothing appealing really about Yukon other than basketball. Women's and men's. The rest is eh. Uh, soccer is good. But New York's frying pan hat, if you will. Right. Yes. Is it somebody like that? Or could it be a, an ECU or a South Florida? Those are the other two schools that kind of come to mind if I'm thinking regionally and in in, in a area that makes sense. But wouldn't you think West Virginia would be a better add than oh, those two uh, schools? Yeah, yes. No offense no, to no, ECU, no. Johnson. But like. No, I think West Virginia is the big – like that's the primary target, but I don't think they can just add one 
and it doesn't make sense to me. They're going to have to make it an even number. So how how much how much does the current state of West Virginia athletics, specifically football, affect their ability to to change conference when this all starts to break free? Because I I have a feeling, guys, that next off season, summer of twenty twenty three. Maybe it might linger into summer 2024. We're going to see this ramp up again. Like we saw it last year. Oh, it'll we saw ramp up. It's going to ramp A little blurp last year. Right. It's going to ramp up again, right? Like just like it did eight years ago. What does the current state of WVU athletics, how does that affect? Well, it's terrible. It's a shame that it's such terrible timing that we're having that, you know, ebb into this low period of, of football, for example. But I think, you know, I would like to think – these stats that we were talking about of, you know, like the 1.6 million viewers and stuff that, you know, okay. Even if, because look for, if I'm being honest with myself, I don't think performance has played a role in uh, like quite a few of these moves. Right. I mean, everyone said like Rutgers and Maryland moving around. I mean, that wasn't because of on-field performance. So I would think that if anything, it, it wouldn't, like it's like yes Guido I agree it sucks but I would think that the viewership and gate numbers and stuff would still hopefully propel the conversation in the way that WVU would want it to to go I think it'll just be interesting guys I think it's I mean this isn't over I mean we don't have luckily to deal with it. for WVU it's not WVU because of the rabid fan base even though it's a small state it carries the whole state not like a typical university does um the fans travel very well uh the reputation of the fans loyalty is is well known um shoot and and there's besides history there's a lot of recent history like i think of i think of owen schmidt and, and you know how everybody picked the the whole country picked uh, Oklahoma to beat us yeah, in the yeah. Fiesta Bowl, right? And we continue to come out on top. So there's a lot of there's a lot of intangibles that are sort of tangible. If that makes sense, it doesn't tangible and ta- tangible. Would you say that, that it enlargens our argument for <laughs> being <laughs> one of those teams? In the I would move? never say the word enlargen, so I don't know what you're talking about. I would say it uh, it makes it look huge. Well, I I I think though that Guido, these aren't any like these notes we're talking about. This isn't anything new. The, these were our same arguments for us to be included in the ACC like two time like two revolutions ago right so I, I never know I right. think you're right it's probably going to heat back up it'll just be I don't know I think we'll be along for the ride again to see how things shake out for WVU and how these TV contracts like does ESPN pull a fast one here and try to renegotiate things to prop the ACC back up I, I don't know that's the way that article you cited almost makes me feel now in that in that you know view Something interesting to think about, too, is, and I hate to tie this, but I'll tie it back to our current situation. So let's say Neil Brown struggles and we finish three and nine, okay? And Shane Lyons is relieved of duties because he doesn't pull the trigger right away or whatever. Let's say Shane Lyons decides, hey, I'm done. I'm tired. I want to retire or whatever. A person that's new coming into athletics, that could change that whole dynamic as well too right you know based on 
their connections with other places and and you know i think of like uh, oliver luck and and how he was so connected to uh sports management in general that he's the big reason why we're in the big 12 but maybe somebody else comes in that has a stronger connection to i don't know north carolina or nc state or some acc school and pulls us that way or pulls us you know in a different direction so it's kind of interesting how right now uh you know based on who we have as our leadership we could see one thing happening because i will say this i would would not mind to see Whit babcock be the next athletic director at wvu current athletic director at virginia tech i think he would come back wvu alum worked in the athletic department uh Talked a lot about how he was very bummed about how the the rivalry game between Virginia Tech and WVU was not looking like it was going to happen for 10 to 12 years. Uh, Whit Babcock might be one of those guys you want to add back into the fold. I think he would take the job. I mean, not to say – I don't know if West Virginia is bigger than Virginia Tech. I think they're probably equal jobs, but – you know, he is a he is a WVU guy. We'll have to see. I think this does heat up guys over the next, you know, uh next year or so. It'll be interesting to see where WVU falls. I hope we don't get left behind like we were last time when the Big East fell apart. Guys, one more thing I want to talk about before we wrap up today. A couple more things actually. Uh one is uh Ime Udoka, a name we've never talked about on this show. Uh head coach, our former right now head coach of the Boston Celtics. Uh, got in a little bit of trouble this past week. Apparently had some uh, relations with staff members with the Celtics, and uh, he gets relieved of duties. He gets suspended for one year. And former WVU standout, Fairmont State head coach at one point, assistant coach for the Celtics, and now interim head coach, Joe Mazzula takes over in the NBA for the Boston Celtics as their head coach Johnson kind of a big deal I mean I don't can is there ever I mean I, I'm not sure the last time there's been a head coach uh, from WVU I think the last one I can think of Mr. Jerry West was coaching the 70s of the Lakers yeah uh, Fred Schaus but it's it comes to mind but it's been uh, it's been years since I can think of anyone that that coached an NBA team now we always heard that hugs had some overtures extended to him but he never went that route so I think this is huge and I think it's something that huge. I think that you know we saw we, we've kind of been watching Missoula kind of climb that that ladder through different positions but to be tossed you know to me this is suddenly like whoa like hey we're calling you up to the big, like to the to the big, the big show here, the big spot. So it's a uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, Scooty, he is a New England guy. I mean, Missoula went. I think he's from, from Rhode, Rhode Island. Island or, Rhode yeah, Island, yeah. Right. He went to uh, to uh, Bishop Hendrick Hendricken High School in uh, in Warwick, and so he's from this area. But uh, came down. He, you know, his coaching career after he left WVU, his coaching career kind of took place in West Virginia for the most part. He did a couple of years as an assistant coach at Glenville State, and then a couple of years at Fairmont State as an assistant coach. I think he did some... I think uh, he was also the head coach at one point. Yeah, he did some G League coaching, and then he was the head coach at Fairmont State, took him deep into uh, the D2 uh, championship there uh, in 2019. Um, so And then he got called up, put a coach for the Celtics. He's been an assistant coach since 2019 with the Celtics and sort of gets brought in. The interesting thing for me is I'll be interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if Deshaun Butler gets put on the staff because he and Deshaun Butler coached together in the offseason league, the summer league, 
uh, for the Celtics as well. So uh, congrats to him. It'll be fun to see that West Virginia connection in the NBA. We don't talk a lot about NBA on this on this podcast, but good good on uh, Joe for for getting up and uh, getting that position there in the NBA. Could be a big building block for him. I mean, we've always yeah, said, right. That's what that's what I was going to say too, Guido. Don't you think even if it's just in this interim moment? I mean, hey, never hurts to have some success in that position and then maybe parlay that into some some future head coaching. That'd be awesome. We've always talked about Scooty, too, that maybe he would be a name that would come up when Huggins does resi- decide to retire. I think this might take it off the table, though, yeah, if he becomes an NBA coach. Uh, I think that it's – very rarely do you see somebody go from the NBA back to college. I think of uh, Fred Hoiberg, I think, did that recently where he was at Iowa State – then went to the NBA, the Chicago Bulls, and then went back. Now he's at Nebraska, I believe. I guess Patino um, did that too, right? Patino has done it a little bit. It's just not very common. And I would think it'd be even less common for somebody Missoula's age, right? Because those guys are a little bit older. So they can say that they've kind of experienced some things and and maybe they've realized that they like the college life or the college coaching life better. Um I, I wonder if our next head coach, and this is something we'll talk about later, but I wonder if he's currently on the staff right now. Ooh, spicy. And Ooh, I wonder if uh, he is a grad assistant on the staff Oh, right now. and you wonder if his name uh, is Al Ruoff? Mm, is that who you're talking I'm wondering. About? That could be somebody. Oh, interesting. I mean, he's got a, he had a solid pro yeah. career, um, so, and he had a great college career and I think he would be well received by West Virginia fans. Yeah. yeah interesting. Interesting. Well, speaking of which guys, one month, one month until WVU basketball hits the court and is on television, October 28th, Friday before Halloween, they play Bowling Green at the Coliseum for the Norma Ray Huggins Research Endowment Fund uh, game that they play every year, the charity game that they play every year. That game is on ESPN Plus on Friday the 28th at 7 p.m., so we're not that far off. We're going to have to start talking basketball soon, guys. We're going to have to go back to two segments on this podcast. (laughs) I like it. I'm excited for it. It's going to have to happen. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. The... WVU schedule was released, so if you haven't had a chance, check out WVUSports.com. You can see the whole schedule. Tough schedule, guys. I mean, between, you know, we play Pitt in there, which, you know, and we play Pitt in at Pitt, you know, at the Peterson Events Center, Scooty. That's what it's officially called. That's right. That's right. The Pitt. Uh, and then, okay. uh, and then, but, you know, for, for non-conference games, it's kind of tough. We play Purdue as our first game. At the Phil Knight Legacy Classic, uh, is it a classic? It's you classic. love a classic. You yet? do love a classic. I love a good classic. I, I do classic. love a classic. But you also have Gonzaga, Portland State, Duke, Florida, o- Oregon State in there, Xavier, and then we also play. I mean, we could play. There's a chance, a weird chance, that we play Xavier back to back because they're in the Phil Knight Legacy classic and then we play them december 3rd in the big east big 12 battle in cincinnati so uh that'll be interesting to see and then at the end of december december 31st new year's eve we kick off the big 12 at the octagon of doom yes we go to the octagon oh no you're right (laughs) new year's eve in the octagon of doom and here's the tough part. Those first two games, New Year's Eve and then Monday, January 2nd, two away games to start the Big 12 schedule. We travel to Oklahoma State to Stillwater to play uh, to play them 
uh, at the historic Gallagher Iba Arena. So I mean, is it really? Is it really? But it'll be interesting. We play Kansas early in the season. That's January 7th. The new schedule is out uh, for the Big 12. Uh, so definitely check that out if you get a chance. I'm excited. I, I, I'm excited for basketball. Scoot, you get Jalen Bridges returning to the Coliseum on January 11th. I'm sure nothing right. will. I'm sure there will be nothing, you know, no drama around that whatsoever, probably. Do you right? think uh, Country Club asks for their money back? When he shows up, I don't know. That's interesting. Like, do you think he tries to like skip town real quick? Like, we're gonna, before we're they catch up a, to him, we're gonna need a refund. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Well, guys, listen, we should probably wrap it up for this week. WVU football takes a win in Blacksburg, thirty-three to ten over the Hokies. We travel this week to Austin on Saturday. Game time announced. That was in the six-day window, so if you're listening and you haven't heard yet, that game is on Fox Sports 1. Primetime game, 7.30 p.m., so uh, be ready for that. Another night game. A lot of night games this year for WVU. Uh, so WVU faces Texas on Saturday at 7.30. That game's on Fox Sports 1. Everybody, thanks for listening this week. Don't forget, you can find us online. Look for us on Instagram or Twitter, at Got Your Ears. You can also find us on Facebook. And, Johnson, we have an awesome we website, We do have an too. awesome website, if we do say so ourselves. It's uh, gotyourearson.com. You can find the latest show here once we put it up in blog form. You can click on the tune-in link right on the page to listen. And if you so fancy, click on the link to the merch store and check out the GYEO merch. Check it all out. Yeah, check it out. GodYourEarsOn.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On. Country Road.